there's nothing nice about murder. And there's nothing innocent about child's play. Welcome to the first episode of Horror on the Rocks. On tonight's episode, get to know Frank and Joe as they debate horror movies that scared them as kids and the 1988 film Child's Play. Everybody, poor on the rocks. Sound okay? We were you know kind what? of in, in sync with each other with the welcome. I, based on that start, I think this is probably going to be the top podcast on iTunes within a month, maybe two. Yes, easily. easily. Uh, we said we just easy. did it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Yes, hello everyone. That you are now listening to the very first episode of the Horror on the Rocks podcast. Yes, the first of many. Hopefully. Hope, I mean, depending on how this experiment goes, but we ha- there's potential. We have a lot of ideas, and yes. uh, we like to talk about horror movies, so chances are you guys are going to get a lot of these. Yeah. We have a fun first episode, I think. I think so. Somewhat planned. Um, we have an idea of what we want to get across, but we we'll kind of yeah. see where it goes. So, yeah. Um, so... I guess first things first, uh, key ingredient to listening to and enjoying this podcast, unless of course you abstain from alcohols for other reasons, in which case more power to you. Yeah, we don't but judge. we highly recommend pouring yourself a nice glass of something on the rocks, of which we both have done. Cheers By the way, that. why don't you tell the listeners what you are enjoying mm. as, we, uh, as we do this podcast? So you may mention this already, but in case you didn't, every episode we're going to have a drink on the rocks hence horror on the rocks so today i thought since this is also like an intro episode let's have all of our listeners all i don't know how many of them are out there (laughs) so i thought i would start off with one of my favorite classic beverages it is brought to you by kirkland so it's (laughs) costco margarita um, and the good thing about this one, so they have a variety, but the one that I like is from Delaware because it already has the alcohol in it. So you don't have to mix any tequila. You just, I like it with about three or four ice cubes. You drink it as is, and it is, it's actually delicious. It's perfection. Do, I think it's one of the top margaritas I've ever had. Do you feel the saying. need to supplement the alcohol content in the margarita? Not at all. And that's what I respect about it. I don't need salt, which you can, of course, add. I don't normally have it anyway. But it's not like the salt adds or takes anything away. Like It's just perfect as is. I don't supplement it. There's no need to. So that's what I'm enjoying. How about you? I am. I actually don't know what I'm enjoying. I, like Joe, intended to drink. My my standard drink, which by, would by all accounts be uh, bullet bourbon on the rocks, okay, uh, like a good uh, maybe two or three fingers of it with f- maybe like three ice cubes, okay, depending on. I also I know it's you know, people bourbon drinkers are gonna go this guy's a joke can't be putting more than two ice cubes in it. I know some people just do a little drops of water in their virgin real bourbon real kind of hardos about so for today's purposes though you're sticking with your three ice cubes three ice cubes about three fingers worth and i would typically have bullet bourbon but when i left my house to come to joe's i forgot my bourbon so luckily we had yeah i uh, am borrowing from uh joe looks to be bib and tucker small batch bourbon whiskey 46 alcohol by volume 92 proof Age six years, and I gotta say, delicious. 
Really? This was apparently a gift to you guys? Ugh, I don't know, because I don't go near bourbon. So, <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. not. It, it must yeah, be Mike's doing. I have no interest. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. It is delicious. Um, I'm enjoying it very much. So I guess based on our drink preferences, there's certainly a difference in taste of what we enjoy. And I think that yeah. also translates to movies. That's my little segue. Because I think that's actually <laughs> what makes this potentially kind of fun. Is yeah. that you have your viewpoint of what you think a good or whatever we're describing however we're looking at a, at a horror yeah. movie i think your definition of what's scary or what's well done or what's entertaining yeah. could very well be different from mine so i think we may have and we may agree on some things too yeah. but um that's one of the things we want to do yeah. in this podcast is talk about our love for horror movies dissect certain horror movies or types of or different genres within horror yeah. and kind of see what your take is on it what yeah. my take is and and roll with I, it. one thing that really excited me about doing this podcast with you is that I, I do think we have very different viewpoints on a lot of things and we kind of ha- do have this common really strong passion for horror movies yeah. and I don't know I tried listening to a lot of other horror podcasts out there and there's a lot of them that are good I think there are some that are really good I think a lot of them tend to have I want to say like a really similar voice like they it kind of it kind of sounds like it's the same two dudes Mm -hmm. and I'd like to think that we're a little different than most two dudes and different from each other in a way that hopefully we are bringing you guys some content that gives you I don't know yeah a different a different kind of experience listening to horror podcasts I don't really know much I mean I'm here I am like critiquing horror movies yeah, I'm nowhere yeah. near an expert like I'm just this is obviously so subjective I'm not basing this on like like I don't know like cinematography like technical standards I don't know yeah. like I'm not coming at it from like a professional standpoint which could be actually kind of cool maybe like we're just coming at this from our love for a horror movie which yeah. is based on really just I don't know nothing it's like nothing yeah. like that, scientific or that's a good point if anybody uh, downloaded this podcast <clears throat> excuse me uh, download this podcast because they were looking for two guys that are well experienced in the movie industry. They like really being, know a lot about cinema and filmmaking yeah, and storytelling, or like theory, or just like yeah, really, really so any sort of qualified expertise. Yeah, uh, you can go ahead and move on to the next podcast. Yeah. We are we are <laughs> horror movie fans more than anything. Yeah, yeah, we are we are basically unqualified. So we're gonna do a list okay. this week. That I'm really excited about. I think it's a good get to know you list yeah. for two guys that are gonna give you all their opinions about horror movies like they matter. Right. Um, these are the movies that scared us as kids. Yeah. And I'm using kids real liberally. Some of these movies are movies I didn't see till I was probably a, a preteen or a very young teenager. Right. Um, some of these movies are movies that were just maybe uh, you know really had an impact on me. Other movies are you know. Uh, movies that really got me into horror you know kind of like a big catch all of the beginning of my horror obsession yeah so movies that scared us most as a kid but kind of like you explained this it goes beyond that though it's also movies that made us fall in love with horror so again we're intentionally keeping it kind of broad so everyone out there can get a sense of who we are where we're coming from so do you want do we want to go first or should we alternate that sounds fair yeah sounds reasonable do you want to go first yeah, fire, so fired up. I started off my list um, with the mindset of thinking of movies that really just terrified me. So I, that was trickier because I was thinking back of all the horror, and I've seen a lot. But as I was thinking of this more, I got to I know exactly which one was my first one, and it's I'm not, well. I mean, I know why, but Scream Two, Scream Two, Scream Two terrified me because I think I was 
Mm, let's see. I think it came out. Let's see. Ninety seven, maybe. So you think Scream Two came out? I in think 97. Scream was ninety six. Scream Two came out in ninety seven. Ninety seven. Boom. Boom. Um, so I was ten years old. Was that fifth grade, maybe? And um, I was probably not prepared. I oh yeah, no, this is what happened. The opening scene. The opening scene takes place in a movie theater, and I saw it at a movie theater that was very empty and it was like eerily quiet and there were very little people there and seeing the opening scene with Jada Pinkett Smith Smith just like shocked me and I was like yeah. oh my gosh I'm in this theater it just like creeped me out <laughs> and after that like yeah. that part just traumatized me a little bit yeah yeah For, so was that also the first horror movie that you saw in theaters in theaters yeah yeah so and yeah. The, I think you know it's funny because I didn't put Scream on my list but when we were going to get the honorable mentions, I was going to say the Scream series in general because they were kind of yeah. when we were growing up, they were kind of ubiquitous. They were, I mean, how many did they get to? Five, four, four. So yeah. they were, you know, it was every couple years. Right, at, we were in the age where we were almost old enough to see horror movies. Like we wanted to see horror movies, but our parents weren't sure if we should be seeing horror movies. Yeah, which was it, it was kind of everywhere. And Scream is definitely uh, the series in general, at least, was kind of a you know it was a slasher film when we were preteens, and yeah. that was so you know obviously it's important for right. horror fans our age what's the first one on your list first one on my list number one with a bullet no question uh is jaws jaws mm. is a movie that I, jaws is kind of an amazing movie we could do a whole episode about jaws and if i have my way about it we probably will at okay. some point all right um but jaws is awesome because i find it to be terrifying question for you joe yeah is jaws a horror movie I never viewed it as a horror movie. See, but that, I think I could see why one would think that. But I don't view it as a. Eh, yeah, no, it doesn't like ring to me as a horror movie. Do so you? That's crazy to me, and this is why I put it first too, because it is my, it is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And some people don't even consider it to be a horror movie. Like, what do you, do you consider it to be like an action movie? Action-y, adventure, maybe like a dose of suspense. Yeah, see, for but... me, like, it's it's pure terror for me. Like, the idea of a shark coming up to, you know, grab yeah. you in the ocean or just a, a shark that's, like, lurking and, and people aren't people aren't showing it the due respect of, you know, like, oh, should we be in the water yeah. with it? Like, it that is, that feels like a very real kind of scary to me. Yeah. So to me, it's a horror movie. To me, it's an important... It's it's a movie... I, I guess at the end of the day, a horror movie is a movie that scares you. And yeah. that movie scared me. Um, and the other thing about Jaws, I think, makes it... It puts it on my list, is that it was on TV all the time. So it was a horror movie that was like very accessible. Yeah. Very easy to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So moving along. Number so my two. second what do you got? one isn't necessarily a horror movie. Though as a kid, I found it horrifying. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. The Witches... The Witches with Angelica Houston, like 1990, I think, you very early 90s. Jim Henson did the puppet work. There's, there's puppetry here. It's definitely like a kid. It's based on a real doll book. Awesome book. Saw this movie a lot as a kid growing up. And the, the overall movie isn't necessarily scary, but there's a scene where the boy is at this convention, a hotel, and he's locked in this convention room. He's hiding behind this, um, like this wall, and all of these women just start taking off their wigs and you find out that they're all witches. Oh, and, and they, look, they look like that? Yes. Uh, uh, we're looking at... The, yeah, that's the grand... That? Yeah, so Angelica Houston plays the grand high priestess, the grand high witch. Wait, that's Angelica and, Houston? When she, and oh, she, there she is taking her mask so off. So she actually... 
it, it's uh, so it's so beautifully done because it's Jim Henson. Yeah. So yeah. her actual face is a mask, and then it reveals this terrifying giant face. nose. And yeah. And seeing that, and just watching the face peel off, and I think I just like felt for the kid, put put myself in that situation. I was like, oh my gosh. So that movie, and yet I remember watching that movie over and over again, and being scared every time but kind of enjoying the feeling of being scared too in a yeah. way and that's when I was like huh I know this is scary I don't want to look but I'm still kind of into it and yeah. I think that's what sort of created this like spark in my head like horror movies are fun like it's kind of fun to be scared yeah um I guess also it's predictable like I knew where the movie was gonna go after I kept watching it <laughs> but, but what's your next one okay next my next movie um is I know what you did last summer Nice. Um, I remember taping I Know What You Did Last Summer off HBO mm. and I remember taping it off I, uh, HBO it was so back in the day before you had Netflix before you had all these things yeah. sometimes you just had to wait for movies to come to HBO like if you weren't going to rent them or, or did you, you know, have whatever. HBO growing up? I did have HBO oh, okay. and I remember like you remember you used to get TV Guide and like that's how you figure out was what was on TV. Oh, like, yeah. You couldn't like scroll through anything. You'd be like, I'm gonna be hanging out on this night or on Friday night. I, I would circle it. And yeah, the guy, yeah. Like, okay, make sure to, Just to highlight it. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So on uh, what either Friday or Saturday nights, HBO premieres new movies, and I remember I recorded the like the premiere on HBO of mm. I Know What You Did Last Summer. I was so excited. Um, I watched it and I was just so scared of it. Yeah. I, I thought it was, um, it was great. Um, I also, what, what year did I, I know what you did last summer? 97. Out? 97? Did you I look this up? Did you know this? No, I actually just remember this. I used to, like, I'm just always on IMDb, but yeah. even like younger, when I was a little younger, I was always checking. I believe it's 97. 97. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, to me, it's a, the Quinn, it's, it's my reference point for a slasher movie. I know different yeah. generations of horror fans kind of grow up with different movies kind of dominating the box office or, or, or early memories. And for me, it's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, I was also, so I'm what, I'm 10 when this movie comes out. Maybe I'm 11 or 12 by the time I'm seeing it on HBO or something like that. Yeah. I will acknowledge there were probably some uh, puberty-driven interests in some of the characters <laughs> in this movie. I just remember really liking I Know What You Did Last Summer. I thought it was scary. Yeah. I thought it was fun. The kids being reckless in the beginning, and then they got a murder to deal with. I just loved it. And it has all your classic 90s stars. It's Jennifer Love yeah. Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prinze Jr. And that's where they met, actually. Sarah Michelle Gellar really? and Freddie Prinze. I did from, not know based that. Based on my digging. I, hope, I think it's accurate. But yeah, yeah. they are now married. Oh, that's another um, thing, yeah. uh, by the way, on this podcast. Similar to having no credentials, we are going to say a lot of things as though they are true that we will have no idea if they're yeah. accurate or not. So yeah. you should probably check them online before you go say, oh, I heard on this podcast. And, uh, yeah, don't use this as yeah. a reference. So they uh, met on that movie? I believe so, yeah. And now they're happily married with two little ones. Um, Are they still married? Yeah. Good for yeah. them. And then Ryan Felipe is in it. Yes. So it's just like, it's four like big 90s teen stars, all attractive, just like in the same movie. Yeah. And, and then the second one was bad. I mean, oh. I don't know if I know what you did last summer is even good to begin with. It just important yeah. to me right yeah, that'd be a fun one to do i haven't seen it yeah. since i was a teenager the, so. the scariest scene in that movie the scene that like oh my god i am scared of this movie is i want to say it's after their remember they have like the pageant or whatever and someone gets killed in the rafters i think it's ryan felipe gets killed in the rafters 
Oh, on the upper floor? Yeah, yeah, up high. Yeah. In the balcony, not the rafters. And then they, they chase him through town, and I think it's it's Freddie Prince Jr. or Jennifer Love Hewitt that ends up in a store of mannequins covered with tarps. And she's oh. walking through it. Is it her? It's um, Buffy. I call her Buffy. Buffy. Sarah Michelle Gellar is <laughs> her sister in the movie because her sister owns... Well, there's this like long chase scene yes. with Buffy. Right in the movie, her name is Helen. You're just going to keep calling yeah, her Buffy. Helen. <laughs> Helen Shivers. I actually read the book. You ever what? read the book? I didn't know it was a book. Yeah, I think it's Lois Lane who wrote huh. The Giver. I think. Again, we need fact checkers. Dude, Once we are. actually amass... Uh, Damn. Am I right? It is by... Well, that's Lois Lowry, maybe. So close. Wait, Lois Lane's from Superman. Uh, yes. Right? It's Lois Duncan. Oh. <laughs> Lois Duncan. But, uh, Lois Lane, right? See, this is... This I is love that you, like, bought it, too. You looked like, okay, he knows what he's talking. You didn't even question when I said Lois Lane. This is this is the quality of this podcast you get. But like, have you seen uh, The Blob? Written by Batman, uh, starring uh, Catherine Hepburn and Justin Bieber. Uh, So, uh, number three. What you got for number three? Okay, so I did the two movies that terrified me as a kid. Now I'm gravitating more towards just movies that were um, impactful in some way or what made me really enjoy horror. And the other two did in a sense, but they more sort of just scared me. Um, I actually had to know what you did last summer on my list also. Like, no particular order going forward. Gotcha. But, yeah, that was on there as just being that one of those quintessential, like, when I think of horror and, like, the genre of horror I love, like, I love just, like, the teen slasher films from the Mm. 90s. That's what I grew up on. So, So my third movie is the first Halloween. Mostly Uh just because I remember I renting it. My dad saying, this is really scary. You should watch it. I watched it. It was super scary. And... It ends, and for and again, if anybody has not seen Halloween, don't listen to the next 10 seconds of this podcast, yeah. but he, you know, obviously Mike Myers gets shot off the railing, and they think they're safe, and then they look over the railing, and his body is not and there. And he's gone. And it's gone, and the movie ends. So I am terrified. In my young world, VHS watching world, that's how old I was, <laughs> yeah. I run into the other room, and I was like, Dad, this is a very scary movie. It's a good recommendation. We need to go blockbuster right now and get part two because I he's out there right yeah. now. And, and until part two solves that for me, I'm very afraid. And he was just like, I think I'll, maybe it was closed. Like, yeah. was like, like next weekend, bud. Yeah. But like, okay, I got to live a week in a world with Mike Myers on the run. Was that a rough week for you? <laughs> Did you like? I think I mostly blacked it out. But okay. I remember that initial feeling. I never felt like I had to get to blockbuster so quickly to feel safe yeah i wonder if some people <laughs> that will be listening to this will not even know what blockbuster is if we talk about it i, I like hope it was such so. a big part of our youth God, like our childhood looking at the covers and, and walking around with like three and trying to figure out which one you were oh my gonna gosh. get i'm getting so mad when they didn't have like they'd have like the new release wall with like yeah. multiple copies but the one you get there and they're all taken um the horror sections were always fun because it's cool to always look I at miss the, that like looking at the the movie case was always fun like when you browse now on netflix like you don't have that even just like the whole like physical contact of like holding the case and like i don't know just like studying it it's just, it's just like a different it's a different relationship yeah when, when i was a little kid I thought that a job that I would be good at as an adult is the person that writes the short description on the back of the Blockbuster uh, yeah. box. I wanted that job. I was like, I could do that. I would be great at that. That's summing a movie up in three sentences. I could do it. Um, honorable mentions, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. 
Um, I just loved those. I, and that was the thing. I, I wanted to like pick one and put a Nightmare on Elm Street movie on my list. But to me, they're just all kind of one movie because they're all these i the thing i thought about nightmare the thing about nightmare on elm street that i think is really scary is that they put on film the way some of my nightmares feel mm. like uh where you run somewhere and then immediately you're back there again and then you're back there again yeah. and like you can't make any progress they capture that pretty well you scream and no sound comes out all that stuff super scary and it's something that you can't avoid like you're gonna sleep you're gonna get tired and pass out you don't feel like just trying to stay awake yeah. it's like a thing you can't avoid yeah. so they, they tapped into that yeah. really well do you have any honorable mentions? yeah so I'm giving even though I did Scream 2 I'm giving Scream it's own slot because I think that is such a clever fantastic film it is um, it's just so self aware it pokes fun at itself it pokes fun at the genre but so well done the opening scene with Drew Barrymore is terrifying um, and even though that was such a scary one, I saw that at my house, so maybe I felt safer for some reason, but again, Scream 2 destroyed me. But the first one, though, I remember just loving and being like, oh, this is great. Like, I love horror. My other one, um, it's not even an honorable mention. It gets on the well, list. Before you leave Scream, yeah. I, Scream does one of my favorite horror movie moves in that they put an actor in the first scene, and you go... I didn't know that person was in this movie, and then they kill him. So like you think you're like oh you're you're mentally trying to figure out where this movie's headed. You see a big star, you figure they're gonna be around long enough to you know have dialogue with another character in the room, and then yeah. boom, dead. Like your biggest star too at yeah. the time. Like yeah, Courtney really? Cox was pretty big, but Drew Barrymore. I mean, she's still big, but like back yeah. then, I think she was probably one of the most, if not the most, noticeable known star in the movie. Maybe but- David Arquette. Yeah, he was in some maybe. movie, but they were yeah. None of them were really a big deal. But that. it was, I agree. It was just like whoa, they just after yeah. like this, they're not playing around. Yeah. So that was cool. And um, and he something about you know anytime there's there's like a horror movie like phone situation that just scares me. And, yeah. And that movie, and that's it probably because of that movie and and what it did. Yeah. Yeah. And then so what's your second one over mentioned? Um, Urban Legend. Oh so, my god. Which I think deserves its own episode, and I yeah. would love to rewatch it now. As Me an too. Adult. But I was so into this movie. I first discovered it in middle school through a friend, and um, I just loved it because we all are familiar with these urban legends, and we're all kind of, or to a certain degree, maybe some of us, not all, but are intrigued by it we kind of maybe believe it in a sense but don't want to like risk doing it so it's like this kind of familiar like all these familiar stories and just like seeing it put together in a movie play out as jared leto an oscar-winning actor that's crazy jared Um, yeah i different part of his career (laughs) yeah hey you gotta start somewhere tara Um, reed's in it tara reed uh loretta divine plays the officer she's awesome in it but yeah I just and the think, dude that i know from mighty ducks yeah. and that you know from dawson's creek i'm, I'm oh guessing. joshua jackson yes joshua jackson's in yeah it. another one like pretty this is probably during dawson's creek 1998 september of 98 yeah so he's probably one of their bigger stars too and it, they killed them off pretty early it took them it cost them 14 million to make that movie it made 72 million dollars whoo but yeah. another thing where the sequel was such a letdown. I don't even remember there being one. Yeah, there was one that was released in theaters. I think there was another. It was like direct to DVD, which I avoided. But yeah. um, I also remember loving this movie. I remember being excited when this movie was coming out. 
Like, I remember being like, this is good. I guess probably by that point, I'd seen, like, Scream or it, Scream and or I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I was like, this is this is in that vein. I yeah. like these movies. It, like, fit in with the times. It's yeah. just, like, these back-to-back great yeah. movies. Fit in with the time and was completely yeah. left in that period of time. The <laughs> Pop Rocks and Soda thing. Oh, And as yeah. kids, that was always a thing. Yeah. Like, don't do it or else oh. your stomach is going to explode. And oh, they address so it. And it, I remember the trailer having that clip. And I was like, what? So, yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So those are our lists of those, movies yeah. that. Um, those are pretty good lists. Yeah, I I, I figured it'd be at least something you threw out there. I'd be like, ah, it's bullshit, or something I throw out there yeah. that you would say is bullshit. Maybe that's gonna, when this podcast can go. We're just gonna agree with each other too much. But People we, will be like, "What's the point of this podcast? <laughs> this guy's not ever." And then we'll be like, "Maybe we aren't meant to do the podcast." <laughs> yeah, then we'll we'll hang it up yeah. after episode three. But um, so now that we got through the list, yeah, we are gonna focus on child's play. Yes, today. I am super excited about this. This is a movie that really scared me as a kid. It yeah. would have gone on my list if we weren't reviewing it. I think everybody has dolls in their house growing up whether they're theirs or their siblings or decorative or whatever and the idea of them coming to life to kill you is just terrifying to me yeah um i i remembered this movie being very very scary um i'm 31 how old are you joe 31 31 so we're both 31 years old so this movie came out really right around when we were born like a year um yeah um, it was definitely a movie I saw early on. I mean, the movie had already been around for right. a good decade by the time I was probably seeing it. Um, so, you know, it had the, by that point where a bunch of sequels in and there was a culture of this, you know, even if you hadn't seen the movie, if you'd been in the mall, you'd seen Chucky dolls and Spencer's. So, um, yeah. I remember, I don't remember when I saw it or, uh, you know, how I saw it for the first time, but I do remember like dolls have scared me since this movie in, yeah. in my life so what do you remember it being like the first time you saw this movie how did you feel how did this make you how did this movie make you feel I think I, I I don't remember to be honest with you I don't remember how it initially made me feel I could tell you how it made me feel when we watched it two weeks ago which was boy I'm not sure this holds up quite as yeah good. so that's a good thing to look what at it, is what was it like watching yeah. it as a kid because I don't remember watching it as a kid so I'm I mean, curious either. okay I don't remember watching it as a kid I remember a few scenes and then we watched the movie and I realized some of those scenes are from the sequel some of them aren't from the first uh, okay. one what yeah. what about you did you have any kind of you know when I said child's play before you put it on did you remember anything about it other than what he looked like yeah uh, so I'm trying to remember the conversation to begin with no I, I remember us talking about child's play at some point um, and I just kind of laughed because I was like oh Chucky like it's just when I think of Chucky like it is a horror movie but it's also I think of it as like a comedic horror movie in a sense it's just it's unique I think in that way where it's not it doesn't take itself seriously but like beyond that I know maybe it does take itself seriously. I think but like, this one does. I think subsequent sequels have really done that kind of like horror comedy yeah. thing. And there's we'll talk about this later, but there's there's an idea that they might be heading back towards you know if the, the with the lineage of this movie going. I'm sorry. Uh, there's you know talk about them you know in in you know future productions involving the Chucky lineage of going back to being more of kind of a traditional horror mm-hmm. movie. But yeah, this one I think is meant to be taken seriously. But it has a lot of as seriously as you could take yeah. murdering dolls. <laughs> but definitely is humorous. Like there's funny lines. I yeah, mean, I think intentionally too. Just like some of Chucky's like some of the crap he says it's, yeah. it's hilarious I, I guess a little background on this movie is worth mentioning the people that made the thing yeah um, directed by Tom Holland produced by David Kirshner 
uh, screenplay, which I think is the coolest part about this. The guy that wrote it, Don Mancini, perhaps pronounced differently. I'm We're to call to him Don, Don M, uh, or maybe DM, goes down in the DMs. Uh, when DM wrote this movie, he was a student at UCLA, which is crazy to think about. Like, this is not Goodwill Hunting. You know what I mean? This is not some movie not. that is that is a, that is an introspective on the human condition. Like this is a straight ahead horror movie with what is gonna be expensive, time consuming, and kind of groundbreaking animatronics. And they end up picking up a movie from a kid at UCLA. Um, I guess that kind of goes towards maybe how it was easier to make a movie in the '80s. But it's funny that you mentioned this is not a movie about the human condition because I was researching that the original script it went through a, a change or perhaps a few changes but the original script was focusing more so on the doll being a manifestation of andy's unconscious rage so his id yeah so it was almost more of like an extension of him which is not true when you watch the version that got made and released but they were i guess there was a different focus yeah and also um i, I guess whether it was just feedback from the studio or whoever but people were like oh, we probably don't want to see, like, a killer kid. So they kind of, like, changed that up. And yeah. I guess the first draft, the mom wasn't as likable. So, like, yeah. it went through changes, which is interesting. Yeah, I, th I wonder if this is typical or if it's because they bought a college kid script. You know what I mean? They bought a college kid script and was like, this is a good start. We got to make this into a movie. I, I, know, I know scripts go through a huge amount of edits through the process. So I've heard or learned in my one film class. Yeah. But, yeah, apparently the movie was originally called Blood Buddies, because yeah. he was, so I guess the idea is like Andy's, the, 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 he's not, the doll's not possessed by a killer. The doll is this doll that like actually bleeds. And Andy, who is like a psychopath, I guess, in this alternate version of Child's Play, does like a Blood Brothers pack where like he cuts his finger and, and you know, touches blood with the doll. And that's how the doll becomes possessed. Uh. I've also heard, I haven't been able to like confirm this other than just like kind of reading stuff online, but I think it's interesting that the perhaps the original intent of the movie was for people, for the viewers, not to know whether or not the doll was the killer. I know, I know DM has said that his original version of the script, the doll doesn't start doing scary stuff until like the third act. And think about like a more serious version of this movie where, and it'd have to be really well done to not be corny, where all the adults are like, are more seriously entertaining that it's the kid that is the murderer. And we find out later it's the doll. Whereas in this one, I mean, we're going to get to Andy's mom, who is just the most ride or die mom ever in a movie later but she's the only one that jumps into believing this out of the get-go yeah because initially they make you think it was andy after the first death yeah. and that's quickly debunked when you see yeah. the, the the powder or the flower underneath chucky's shoes yes when they made the footprints yeah um um so another thing that before we get off of like the kind of um the making of this movie is did you did you read online that the original voice of Chucky was going to be Jessica Walters Which or was Jessica Walters? I'm so intrigued by. Him. I want to hear the movie where she's doing the voice, like same movie, but all of the lines by the actor that yeah. they that they use are her. Because I love her in Arrested Development. I mean, yeah. she is so funny and so talented but yeah it's just like what a different character yeah. this could have been would it have been scarier voiced like, by voiced by her yeah, yeah i mean it's just like what yeah what would have chucky been like yeah with, with her voice um 
Yeah, that is cool. So I was reading that this movie made $33 million back in 1988. Um, it's the second highest grossing movie of the year. Behind? Uh, oh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare right? on Elm Street 4. Yeah. And I also saw, so I saw that 33 number as well, but I saw on Wikipedia, they said it made 44. Oh, wow. like, either way, they had a like a $9 million budget. So which, it's a great killing. And like yeah. with inflation, which I don't know how that all factors in, but it's like a significant amount of money, I imagine, yeah. in 88, 33 million. Um, but the fact that it was the second highest grossing film, I mean. I think it was the second highest grossing horror movie that year. Are you sure? Maybe. I think I read the. the I, I can't imagine that the number well, one. That's why I was so shocked. <laughs> but why would they have to do a closer read of, of the websites that we're both reading to do this podcast? So I should have crammed right before the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. No. I was... Second highest grossing horror movie of the year. Okay. Yeah. I guess that would make sense because. When I read that the Nightmare Before Elm Street, like part four, was the highest gross. I was like, "Is there really nothing better <laughs> to see yeah. that year?" Um, I'm gonna double check on that, but okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this movie. I guess we should. Most people who are listening, or maybe who aren't, or who are listening, don't know. But like a general plot line of what happened. So, so our, our our protagonist in this movie, or not our protagonist. I guess our antagonist, Chucky, our bad guy in this movie, uh, as you know, is a uh, doll, and I I want to say it's the first time I could remember in a horror movie a like a doll horror movie. Like it might have been done before. I've seen interviews be- about all those guys we talked about earlier where they talked about no one had really made a horror movie where the doll was the villain. Which is I mean dolls are creepy. They're miniature people that don't move in and of themselves. So no one had made a doll horror movie since kind of animatronics had gone crazy. I mean, we're in a, you know, 1988 is a post ET world. It's a, you know, it's a world where uh, animatronics are jumping forward by leaps and bounds. And we'll talk, I think we'll talk a lot more in this podcast about the animatronics in this movie, because apparently made everybody in the movie that worked on it, hate each other because of of how difficult this robot was to do it. Um, yeah, I think what was done primarily was, you know, you'd see, like, the Twilight Zone, and there's this epic episode with Talkie Tina, I think was her name, like, this killer doll, so maybe it's yeah. more so done in, like, a TV format, just, just a shorter format, but this is, like, the first feature-length film. Yeah. Um, and what I was reading, which I thought was interesting, is that, um, you know, I, I guess, like, Cabbage Patch Dolls, and when I say, like, what I was reading, like, I'm refer to the article that you said yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we read uh, so research with this movie was watch the movie read the wikipedia page yeah. although i'm not even sure joe read the wikipedia page by uh, the way yeah, yeah, yeah. i found the quote became the second highest horror grossing film of the year so you just it's you're just horror i horror missed like the key word well, the- what did you think was going on that year the top it was 1998 that's like when well, that's why it was Forrest like- gump came out like I don't know. It was it was the late nineties and the best movie of the year well, was Nightmare on Elm Street Four. That's why I was kind of shocked too, and impressed and a little disturbed. Like what was going on? Like was there really okay. Too many on the rocks for you. Uh, um but yeah, so uh where were we? So Cabbage Patch Dolls. Yes, that, like which a big obviously thing. a big uh, Yeah, so I think there's sort of this, you know, tapping into that whole product and the popularity of Cabbage Patch Dolls and these dolls that look, you know, seemingly innocent, and I think there is just this. So it kind of like turns that on its, you know, yeah. side. But then also this like creepy factor with dolls, and 
there's just something disturbing about certain dolls. They just have like yeah. that look in their eyes. Yeah. They like creep you out. It's just like a distorted version of, of a human, but yeah. not quite. And you're kind of that's uncomfortable. What it, that's what it is. It's the not quite human thing that makes dolls so scary. Yeah. Let's get let's get into. I don't want to do like a complete blow by blow play by play of the movie. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. I do. We do need to set up a little bit what happens in this movie. So in the very first scene in the movie, we see. Uh, a cop chasing a bad guy, basically, and they end up in a toy store, and he is chasing who we who we later come to know is the Lakeshore Killer, who's named Charles Lee Ray. Interestingly, his name, Charles Lee Ray, a nod to three other serial killers. Uh, oh. Let me see. I, I got them written down. Charles Manson. Yes, Charles Manson. Wayne. Lee Harvey Oswald, that's oh. the Lee, and then James Earl Ray. Oh. So that's how they came up with his name. James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray. I don't know who James Earl Ray is. I was thinking of James Earl Jones. <laughs> James Earl Jones is, is not, not a serial person. killer. Yeah. Um, not at all. So a uh, cop who uh, we're going we're gonna to get a lot more familiar with this cop later chases the bad guy through the store. Uh, bad guy, right as he's dying, starts uttering what we later come to learn is voodoo. And there is a massive explosion in the toy store. Oh, and the effects! Unbelievable! Of this scene. Uh, the effects of the scene are insane. I love the sky it, effects, and yeah. it's just. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to say that I didn't know that possession or uh, soul transfer, whatever happened in that toy store, caused as big of an explosion as it did. Yeah. Holy cow! Does that happen this, every time? This toy store <laughs> explodes with the force. Of a thousand dynamites. I have no idea. And yet the cops survive. <laughs> and the cops survive. The cops survive fine. How did that happen? He was the right in like the the heart of the explosion. Like you see the, the damage. That yeah, the I mean it's caused. it's a massive explosion right as he dies and and finishes his. Uh, incantations. Uh, I looked it up. The the guy that did the special effects in this movie, I guess his last name is Jaeger. Twenty four years old. Given this insane budget to do a movie that has two very large explosions in it, and uh, he, he is experienced. He did Nightmare on Elm Street three. So he was, he was the up and I don't know. He was the guy that people were throwing lots of money at to do special effects, and it was working. Yeah. It was making big, big time. I would movies. love to see some of his most recent explosion work if he has any <laughs> to compare. If do you have more any more recent explosion work? Yeah. That I could, uh, so that happened. So Charles Lee Ray's soul his himself. Yeah. He enters the body of this doll. This doll that's. Um, uh, good, guys good guys is the name of the doll. Yes. Um, who's later referred to as Chucky. Yeah. Um, you know, freckles, looks really innocent, overalls, uh, red hair, kind of like your buddy doll. Yeah, that yeah you know, what, to me, he reminded me of My Buddies. Do you remember, did you have a My Buddy doll? No, but yeah. I've heard of that. My Buddy doll was a doll for boys. Because uh, at that time we were, you know, dolls were for boys or girls. Or dolls were mostly for girls. Dolls were just starting to be for boys. Interesting. I, I feel like. I don't yeah. feel like, uh, I don't think my dad had any dolls that weren't G.I. Joe's. Yeah. But in the 80s, and, and I remember in the 80s and early 90s having a My Buddy doll. He was about the size of Chucky. He even kind of looked like Chucky. He had overalls. Huh. He didn't have red hair. But I remember seeing this movie and thinking about it being My Buddy uh, possessed. Yeah. Um, so, so 
I get the impression, I, I've come to understand that around the holiday times, there's always a toy that parents can't get. That, that they have to resort to the internet or back in the day, like buying toys from a guy in an alley. Much like um, the, the, the basically the premise of Jingle All the Way, the Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. movie. My impression is that a good guy doll is that kind of toy. Yeah, it's the go-to doll and it's sold out everywhere. Like I'm thinking back to this, or the summer, the holiday season of Furbies or like Tamagotchi. Yes, like yes. That level where it's just impossible. So this mom who, single mom, I don't know if you ever found, do we find out what, like, where no, the there is not other a, parent is or the father figure? Like, I don't know. There's not a mention of Andy's dad, I don't think in the entire movie. Yeah. And Am usually, I, which is kind of progressive come to think of it because if you think in kind of traditional ways, if there's a woman with a child that without a husband, father present, there's a you know a stereotypical kind of compulsory uh, urge by filmmakers and storytellers to explain the man that's not there, right? I think it's a little progressive of Don and the crew making Child's Play that we just have a single mom. We are concerned with this family unit. Of course, there was a man at some point to make Andy, but he is not relevant to the story. Yeah, so there is that factor. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, so we don't really know what the deal is, but doesn't really matter i guess um so we have this mother who you know working mom she's working at the department store and knows that you know it, i guess it's the holiday season right and well, it's, it's actually his birthday, birthday which is funny to me birthday. so a couple of things about the hotness of the good guy toys so good go good guy toys are the hottest doll right because she has to resort to Oh, go to, to buy the, it. Uh, shady back alley. Yeah. This, yeah. And haggle with a guy that has a banged up box that of course came from the toy store that uh, we saw in the first scene that exploded. That's why it's in bad yeah. shape. Think about this though. There were hundreds of good guy toys in that toy store. How were they? Oh, you know what They it was? all blew up. Well, it, it, presumably this all happened in the same area. So I yeah. guess all the local... <laughs> the all supply the, of good guy toys. All the toys, all those dolls that she could have gotten, yeah, yeah. It, it, easy access to were destroyed in that heinous fire that we spoke about. So. <laughs> Explosion. Yeah, yeah. And now there is the piece of it that uh, she, as a single mom, she didn't have a lot of money and she didn't save up in time uh, to get Andy a good guy toy. And there's this really touching scene where she gets him the good guy dolls like tools so he can like play to be a good guy but she doesn't get him the doll and Andy's very disappointed he didn't get the doll and she's at work and Aunt Maggie <coughs> Aunt Maggie God bless her heart goes I got a guy in the alley he's gonna sell you a good guy doll get out there and this is the roughest looking guy selling the roughest looking good guy doll uh, but she gets it she buys it she haggles a good deal on it it's, it's under market value I believe yeah, I think yeah. she paid like 30 or something bucks. But it was a $100 doll or something like that? I was just curious about the co-worker Maggie yeah. friend situation. Like, how, how did she know this guy? Like, what was the best? Yeah. I really, I enjoyed Maggie a lot, actually. I thought she was hilarious. I was sad to see her go so early. I would have loved to just see more of her in the movie. But I was just like, who is this dude that you just have this, like, connection with? And I think she made a joke about it at one point about... How like, like as if like 
suggesting he was a former significant other, someone that she just like. I don't know. It was like a. Yeah, a, a Maggie. A, a Maggie knows the neighborhood. Knows knows the guys that hang out in it. Um, which we're very we're told later in the movie. Remember later in the movie when uh, the mom is going back to the department store area. And the cop is like, no, for the love of God, you can't go there at nighttime. Like, don't go there at nighttime. And he's, like, freaking out that she's going to go to her place of work around that. Well, I guess maybe that's, she's going to go to where the toy I store is. Thank you. Which, I, which, again, though, I assume they're in the same place. But Yeah, but it's, like, in the rougher, yeah, part, the rougher of part of town. So, anyway, mom, what's mom's name? Karen Barclay. Karen Barclay. According to my notes. Gets this doll and oh, one more thing before we leave her job at the department store. So Karen Barclay works as like the person that annoyingly sprays perfume on you mm. while you are walking through that part of the department store. And apparently, or no, she sells jewelry. She That's right. Karen Barclay is a jewelry store. Yeah. She works in the jewelry section of the department store. And apparently... Mall jewelry store workers need a union to save them from forced double shifts by the manager, Scrooge McDork, who tells Karen Barclay that on her son's birthday, she's got to work a double, even though she already worked a shift. And then he then threatens her. Remember, he goes, you like your job here, don't you? Because she's like, I can't work. It's his birthday. I just bought him this trash doll from this hobo outside. Yeah, like, you really picked up on those details. Yeah. It's so funny. She I've needs never... representation. Yeah. He's forcing overtime. You're really coming then, at it from a legal and union. Then... <laughs> it's so funny. That's what you like picked out of that. Because I, I remember like watching that part and being like, okay. But like, it didn't stand out to me that much and one of my favorite lines in this movie is actually from that scene when i'm gonna keep continuing to call the manager scrooge mcdork because yeah, he's both this, uh... equal parts scroogey and dorky um aunt maggie shows up to the rescue don't worry about it i'll work tonight and he looks at her like I, I can't think of somebody that looks down on somebody as strongly as he looks at her and the reason is Listen, Aunt Maggie, you work footwear. This is jewelry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're how, a feet toucher. How not a, dare not you? Not a necklace toucher. And you, yeah, like, you just, you wouldn't be able to make it. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he felt very strongly about separation of, of duties, I guess. He, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we don't know what kind of worker Maggie was, too. I yeah. mean, she's hanging out with these questionable folks. That's like, true. She, she knows the alley people. Yeah, like, is she yeah. doing questionable things on the alley? I don't know. You can't, you can't have those kind of folks around the jewelry. But, but, I, but our, our beloved Karen trusts Aunt Maggie enough. Yeah, she should, because I think Maggie's actually watched the boy before Andy. It seems like there's yeah, a familiarity definitely. there. So, you know... Karen and Aunt Maggie have a solution. They're going to they're gonna go home real quick. Karen is going to give Andy the good guy doll, which she does. Aunt Maggie is going to cover babysitting duties while Mom works. They work this out. See, I, there's a couple ride-or-dies in this movie. Aunt Maggie, Aunt Maggie is a literal ride-or-die to help Karen raise Andy on her own. And then Karen really goes to bat for Andy really quickly, which can only be really kind of categorized, in my opinion, as someone who is a total ride or die or someone who is crazy. Because she is very early to believe that Andy is not the culprit here, but that the doll is. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. The first kill in the movie, of course, it's not from the explosion in the beginning, is Aunt Maggie. Which was sad, because I really felt sad, for her. I did not it? want to see her go, because I found her very, very entertaining. Um, what 
what were your thoughts on that first kill? Uh, well, I, I mean, it was it was kind of ridiculous because so I, it, basically Aunt Maggie puts Andy to bed. The doll is like messing with the TV right before they go to bed. So like there there's something weird afoot. She's blaming Andy. Comes back all of a sudden. Where's the doll? The doll isn't where she left it. Doll hits her in the eye with a ball peen hammer. Yeah, it's a hammer. In which she stumbles all the way across the room. Well, that's what I was really surprised by. Yeah. The amount of force that somehow that action had on her that resulted in her going out of a window, like crashing out of a window. Like, it, yeah. It, it, like, it made it, no getting sense. Getting in the eye with a ball peen hammer would be very painful. I don't think it would make you like... Oh my God! Here I'm falling. She is falling <laughs> yeah. back pretty yeah. rapidly, pretty quickly, and with such force that she actually smashes through the window and then yeah. plunges to her death. Multiple floors, curse splat on a car. Yeah. So that part, I was like, okay, <laughs> how does this all add up? Um, yeah. That was my one question about that part. Um, I, I want to say before we leave, R.I.P. Aunt Maggie. Yeah. Pour a little out for Aunt Maggie. Babysitters in horror movies is a really tough job. I'm fairly certain that Jamie Lee Curtis is the only person to ever survive the position because the babysitter yeah. usually dies. Generally doesn't end well. Um, <laughs> like the the workplace fatality rate for babysitters in horror movies is insane. Like if it were happening in real life, like they'd have a march. Like we need to save the babysitters. <laughs> the babysitters are getting murdered horrifically. Yeah. Um, so as is maybe a, a well-developed stereotype, we lose Aunt Maggie and the investigation begins we get to meet one of my favorite characters in the movie uh, who I can only describe as like 80s kind of hunky father figure detective. Oh, yeah. I think he's actually the worst in this movie. You don't like him? I thought his... Maybe, now that you mentioned that, I wonder if like that's just the way he was trying to play the part. I couldn't tell that or if he was just not a good actor. Yeah. I wasn't feeling... Well, there, so there's so many weird things that happen right away because she shows up. So mom comes home from work. There's cop cars everywhere because Aunt Maggie went flying out the window. There's cops all over the place. She just cruises right through there. Like she goes by multiple cop cars in the front door Security's through real police nice. tape. Like no one. Usually they throw in the like the the scene like, "Ma'am, you can't go here. It's my house." And then they run in. I don't think anybody says anything to her until she gets inside. Yeah. Then they're inside. Captain, or I'm sorry, Detective Handsome Father figure is there, mm-hmm. and the evidence is real strongly suggesting that Andy killed Aunt Maggie right off the jump. But it does not appear that the cops really entertain arresting him in that moment. Like, it's pretty suggestive that he killed this woman. They don't arrest him. Yeah, because you see footprints in the flower. (laughs) So all this flower spills, and you see footprints, and... You know, at this and point, it's like, all right, there's no is, other kid, there's no other, there's no one in this house other than the boy. That it is also important to mention that Andy is such a huge Good Guys fan. He's wearing the same outfit that Chucky is, including shoes that have the same, same footprint, same like size shoe. Yeah, because they're because yeah. he's really not that much bigger than yeah. Chucky. Um, and then this Actually, is our go ahead. So the footprint part, I love when the detective is saying, referring to the footprints. Do you know what these are? And the mother goes, No. I'm like, how do you guys know what those are? Those are clearly footprints. Like he's not asking if you know where they came from. I, I, I was just I was just in such disbelief. Like I didn't understand 
her was it just was so dumb to me. <laughs> like I, I to me I thought maybe I, I had the same problem because she's really not He's asking her basic questions and she's I'm like, is she confused because they're footsteps that are up high? Like, does Karen Barclay answer the same question the same way if the footprints are on the floor? Like, ma'am, pointing at the floor, do you have any idea what these are? What are those? Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen footprints before. Yeah. So especially like, ones of a small child. I was like, mom, like, come yeah. on now. What's but going she on is, this is our first ride or die moment from Karen. As soon as she gets an inkling that they are considering that Andy did this. She is like, no one is talking to Andy. Everybody get out of the house. I am going to obstruct the shit out of this investigation. Like, yeah. I am no longer being helpful. My Aunt Maggie has died. A violent death from my apartment. I am not cooperating. Yeah, um, she really... Which I appreciate. Yeah, she really stands by Andy and and supports it. It's a lot of confidence to have in your four-year-old. Because it's kind of like, who else is in this apartment? And, like, of course, rightfully so, she yeah. has the, the right, you know, intuition, but... At the time, though, it's she, like, well, you see, she has the right intuition. Like this is something that could happen in real life, and a and a real life mother should make it similar. Is this based on a true story? <laughs> I read that somewhere too. Uh, but yeah, so mom is like totally in it to the end with Andy. I mean, she does agree though to send him away to this hospital. Yeah, because... that co- that comes a bit later, and we have some crazy things that happen on the way to him getting admitted. Um, so the next day. Karen, who has obstructed an investigation of her son probably murdering her co-worker, a.k.a. Aunt Maggie, rest in peace, she drops him off at school. I, I think it's at school. And she says, you sure you're all right about last night? Oh, right. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, you don't have any bad dreams about your Aunt Maggie getting brutally thrown from the window of our apartment by your birthday present? Like, how much time had passed? It was, like, less than 10 hours, It felt like it was right away. Like, that's a traumatic... Yeah. Then you gotta deal with and probably take it like that warrants taking a day off from school like go yeah. see someone talk it out that kid goes to school the next day no. like mm, mm. yeah no. <laughs> well cause mom single mom she's gotta buy homeless guy toys in the alley she can't afford to take a day off of work Scrooge McDork will definitely fire her if he gives her a hard time about working the double shift yeah. and then takes off a day because his kid's probably a murderer. figure some child care. I mean, I don't know what you do, but <laughs> that boy probably shouldn't go to school right then and there. Yeah. But yeah, she's... Yeah, obviously he is short-lived for school that day and he goes on his big adventure to the ghetto. Uh, oh, right. That very happens. bad part of Chicago. Uh, rides the train there by himself. I mean, we know he's with Chucky, but no one seems to bat an eye. The small child yeah. riding a train into what appears to be the worst part of Chicago. And just like getting off by himself. There's no one, yeah, kind of intervening, yeah. like, hey, you like, okay? How, how like, old is Andy in the movie? Do we do we learn what young. birthday th- he's having? I think he's like, I mean, I think the actor was six or seven. He was very young. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, He's a little kid. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Um, which, and then once they get there, um, so Chucky and the doll get split up because, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Chucky and Andy get split up because what is Chucky, Chucky's there. So Chucky's going to the abandoned house, or he just, I don't know how he, oh, I guess because he remembers, the ad, he goes to the home of the guy that, I guess he's supposed to be his getaway, like, so in yeah. the opening scene, the getaway driver abandons. Yeah. Uh, Charles E. Ray. That's right. So, um, and I forget the guy's name that abandons Charles E. Ray, but Chucky, now he's in Chucky form, tracks down that getaway guy That's to right. get revenge and to off him for not being there for him. So he tracks him down and 
it's funny because the guy's in the home and he like hears something outside, yeah. looks out his window, and just sees like Andy walking around. <laughs> and I'm like, even like you didn't think that was odd. I don't know there was like no like acknowledgement yeah. of that, no follow up, like no dialogue between them. Like, hey Kim, like what are you doing here? <laughs> so eventually, you know, Chucky kind of terrorizes him. And what I thought was kind of smart, actually, given that Chucky's in doll form and he's only capable yeah. of so much, like he turns the gas on on the stove, and then does he just shoot? No, I think it. He must have some kind of fire. I think it's How the he... other guy shoots at Chucky. Oh. He knows the guy's gonna shoot at him, so he fills the house with gas. Oh, first of all, oh, because they're shooting back and forth. There Remember, is... he's he's chasing Chucky around the house, shooting at him. And the last thing Chucky. about this part is this is our second explosion of the movie. This oh, was, yeah. again, it, I, th I think there's an explosion when an oven explodes. This oven appears to only be on for a few minutes, though, in a house. Like, let's call it 20 minutes they're chasing each other around the house. I don't, I think if you fill a house with 20 minutes worth of gas, I don't think it explodes. But then again, it is one of those old ovens where he, like, blows know. the pilot light out. Yeah. So, I don't know. This, this I thought is... the explosion was way more realistic in, in this scene, um, and felt more authentic to me than <laughs> the initial toy store explosion yeah. um so that happens so chuck gets his revenge on this guy i think what i found really humorous and interesting from the first death scenes that you see they do the first scene from um like chucky's point of view kind of like they do in jaws yeah. so you see you know the camera work from his point of view but you see how freaking fast he moves too. Yeah, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was so funny for some reason that yeah. he was just moving so quickly. I'm like, how does this little thing move at that rate? I want to go back to this later. I think it's like, I think it's one of the things. At the end of the day, like this movie did not scare me when we watched it as 31 year olds. Um, I think one of the ways that they lose it is that the things that make dolls creepy is that they're like. I'm never ex uh, thinking a doll is going to, like, overpower me. Do you know what I mean? Like, a mm -hmm. doll is going to grab me and throw me across the room. But our do our evil doll in this movie very much does that. But that's not really what, like... I, I don't think it's playing to the strength of what makes a doll scary. And it's one of the misses I think they have in this movie. And I don't want to blame Mr. Jaeger, uh, the guy that's doing all these explosions. Which, mm -hmm. I will agree with you, this is a more believable explosion, but it's still a huge explosion. I think Mr. Jaeger probably preferred a more aggressive fighting Chucky. Um, which, speaking of fighting Chucky, that brings us to what I really think is the only scary scene in the movie. Which is later that night, Karen Barclay is holding Chucky. She's First of all, she's talking to Chucky like a psychopath. Because at this point, you know, Karen Barclay's never seen Child's Play. As far as she knows, dolls don't talk. Um, right. And you gotta kind of give it to her. Like She, she talks this to this doll. She yells at it to talk to her. Because her son is the one that's like, hey, like the doll is doing this. Yeah. And that's gotta be a tough pill to swallow. It's like, yeah. uh, are you okay? Or like, is this kid being truthful? So, I mean, I think if you believe a four-year to five-year-old that their doll is talking, you're probably insane. It just happened to work out for Karen Barclay here. I don't know. <laughs> I mean... And yeah, it, it's possible. Yeah. I'm I'm always after this movie, I'm always believing any kid <laughs> I'm not doubting any kid that's That's a good point. That's a good you point. Can't, you can't take that risk. So she has the doll, she's yelling at to talk, it won't talk. She goes back to the box, picks up the box to the Chucky doll, and the batteries fall out. 
So we know that Chucky, so who's been saying his like good. his canned recorded sayings, like "Hi, I'm Chucky. Let's be best friends forever." Wh- whatever the things he says, he's been saying them all this time because I guess Charles Lee Ray is able to tap into that part of the doll and use those voices. But he is talking with no batteries, and that's when you see the the shift in her and the change, and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like. This doll is a killer doll. My son was telling the truth, and it's it's a pretty it's a really it's intense well, in that moment. You're like, oh shit! Like it's just like pure terror, horror, and her yeah. eyes panic. Um, and that's when you really see her like, uh oh, this doll is a problem. So, so she taunts it. She tries to get it to talk. It still won't talk. Yeah, and she tries to burn it. Remember? Yeah, is that when he first talks to her? At that yeah, because well, no, does he try to burn it? Yeah, he's she's gonna light I the fire. I think it's later on. I think she tries to burn him twice. I think she tries to burn him once and doesn't because he talks to her and she goes wah. Either way in the scene, yeah. she gets to him to talk and wah. She throws him under the oh, couch. Oh, he escapes somehow. Yes, he escapes. He runs out. Oh, uh, and somewhere. runs down because remember she he throws she throws him under the bed under the couch. She pulls him out and they are they're in this tussle. Oh my god, she's fighting a doll. He runs out the door. Yeah. He gets in the elevator and this awesome elevator that they have in this building. Do you notice that? Yeah. It's like a cage elevator in the middle of these C like black metal spiraling staircases around the elevator. Yeah. He gets out. Shit. We got my son is not lying. Possession is real. Runaway doll. Somebody call Detective Handsome. We got big problems. <laughs> I love how you're crushing on this detective because I didn't. I, I just disliked He's a major him. character of the movie. Yeah, I just disliked him so much. Um, <laughs> and I guess also because he doesn't believe the mom. And of yeah. course, you know, given his background and yeah. fighting crime, and he thinks that the mom is ridiculous and yada yada. But he does not give her the time of day for a little while. Yeah. Until when so the mom warns him. And and he doesn't buy it. And there's that great scene where he's like leaving the station late at night after yeah. you know he's told the mom to go home or drops her off and chucky is in the back seat yes of his car what, what were when this scene is very long the yeah. scene where they're in the car is kind of long what was your kind of like first impression of what was going on in that car i was like i actually thought that was gonna be his death scene i was like this cop is done um it's this is his yeah this is where it ends for him um it was it was fun i actually <laughs> thought that i'll give it to chucky he like he's agile he's quick He's like running. He's like stabbing the seat. I think. I think yeah. He's like running by the pedals. Like he can move. He's adventurous. He like is so committed to just like ending it. But I, I thought that actually the um, the effects were pretty good in this scene. Yeah. Considering like, yeah, because the the, all the, the doll is all over the car. Yeah. So there's a lot of work being done. I'm sure. Yeah. Just like reconfiguring Chucky and just like having him move from here to there. Yeah. Um, and there is this scary part where I think. So the cop crashes, or the detective crashes, and I think he's, like, laying there underneath the cart, flipped over, and then Chucky just starts, like, stabbing. I don't know if it, it can't be through the car, so maybe through a seat or something. Yeah, cool. So Chucky's running around in the seat of the car, which I got so many issues with. I don't know if they're teaching at the Chicago Police Academy for driving, but, like, I understand, okay, there's a doll in the car stabbing me, and maybe you hit the accelerator once. Or twice, or like you run a little bit out of control, but to not crash the car and to keep it, to, to don't be like, oh god, okay, there's a doll in here. Car in, like stop car, car in park. He drives this car 
all over all over Chicago, almost crashing into things as Chucky is stabbing him through the seat. First he's coming in the seat next to him, then he's then he's stabbing through the crotch. Like yeah. this is a and he just keeps driving the car. I'm like, for the love of God, stop the car. Think bad things are happening, someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah. Uh, the um, other thing that about that car scene before before we leave that one, um, because of the scope of the explosions that we'd seen in the movie so far, that car chase scene ends with him flipping over the car. I was certain it was going to explode. Um, I was like, oh, we are. It's been twenty minutes since yeah. an explosion. We're about due for a big kaboom. And that's probably like a more of a real like a case where realistically you would see an explosion. Yeah, a given, car flipping down the street. Like I thought the, so. Yeah, but. Um, um, this movie has an incredible line in it, to, to me. It, the, the incredible line when Chucky goes to investigate his voodoo options with his witch doctor. Oh my gosh. Um, Joe, why, not, why don't you break down for the listeners what we see in the incredible scene where Chucky visits the witch doctor. So, yeah, you because you, actually it's funny because one of my questions was how does... Charles Lee Ray even know this chant to get his soul into this, you know, doll. Like, where does this all come from? You're not paying attention to the detective handsome scenes. They what? find out in their investigation yeah. that he was an associate of this guy, of the voodoo uh, guy. They go, oh, this guy, he's been hanging out with this guy. This guy's into, like, witch doctory. Checked out of that. I can't believe you checked out, but, of, all the, out of all the Dr. Handsome yeah, scenes. Yeah, I was like, I'm bored with this. Detective Handsome scenes. <laughs> but, yeah, so then once we are introduced to Charlie Ray's sort of instructor, what's the guy's name, the voodoo? Um, I, I don't remember his name. Priest. Um, I've never seen him in anything else. Yeah. But it gets real voodoo-y real quick. Yeah, so Chucky goes there. Is he like starting to fall apart, or he's like feeling pain? Yeah, he, the something? doll's starting to become more human, and he's afraid he's gonna die. Which is interesting. Cause I read also that his hairline recedes throughout the movie. Yes, they they started. Which to, I didn't notice. I, no, I, I didn't I, notice at all. I remember noticing something looked a little different, but I couldn't pinpoint exactly what. And then I, when I read that, I was like, oh, that must have been it, because he definitely is starting to age a bit. Yeah. From earlier to later. Scenes. Yeah, they said that. Um, I guess the the actor who we meet in the beginning of the movie. Uh, has a very receding hairline, and they were moving his hairline back to make him look more like the per like Charles Lee Ray the person to suggest that the Charles Lee Ray and the doll were like affecting each other, and yeah, kind of becoming one person. Starting to resemble uh, um, the guy. So anyway, so Chucky goes to you know the the voodoo uh, person just to like get some advice, I think on. Um, pretty much like what's going on like I thought this would be like a foolproof plan like if I'm going to a doll I guess like I wouldn't deteriorate um, and pretty much the voodoo guy's like well you're doing it for like you're doing it for like the wrong reasons like it's uh, yeah, you're like, an abomination yeah like you're not <laughs> you know respecting the, the process or something so does he does Chucky okay so I made a note here I thought it was messed up or I was wondering why the voodoo guy had a voodoo doll of himself. I Yeah, because Chucky whips that out like that was already so there. So Chucky uses that to be like, tell me what I want to know or else yeah. I'm going to like... Tell me how kill. I live forever yeah, or how or, I get out of this doll. Or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And he whips out this voodoo doll of yeah. the voodoo teacher. And then Chucky's like, well, you shouldn't have told me where you hid the doll. 
So I was like, why did this voodoo teacher have a doll to begin with and then tell Chucky like where the doll was hiding? Yeah, who makes so voodoo dolls? Maybe we don't understand voodoo. Maybe you just keep a stack of voodoo dolls around yeah. and like when you're ready to voodoo somebody, you you make that doll them. I, I don't know. know enough about it, but... Um, <laughs> no, ex- I'm about as, as much an expert on voodoo as I am horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very little now. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was interesting. And then freaking Chucky kills the guy. Chucky kills the guy after he tells him... The most important information. And what is that, Frank? That information is that you need to... The only way you can get out of your body is to take the body of the first person you exposed yourself to as a, as a possessed doll. Right, and that means... Chucky is beside himself with excitement about this. That he... The easiest possible target of what is apparently a very murderous career, he gets to try to kill Andy to take his body and delivers my favorite line of the movie what's your favorite line? the witch doctor's on the ground he's got both of his legs broken he's on his deathbed this is right before chucky stabs the the voodoo doll to kill him once and for all he goes well it's been fun i gotta go i have a date with a six-year-old boy and you have a date with death and that is the greatest line in this movie what? he said how did you not miss this he says i have a date with a six-year-old boy I probably went to the bathroom or something. It's a crazy line. Yeah, and what uh, I was thinking is that why did Chucky kill this guy? Because this guy had all the answers, like these really difficult questions that I'm sure no one else can answer yeah. except his like voodoo teacher. You may want to keep him around. I mean, I guess <laughs> he could be a threat. He may be able to undermine you. But yeah. like, don't kill the guy. Like, You may need him down the road. So That's I thought true. Chucky, out of all the things you've been doing, that was very, very stupid because you may need to rely on him. Um, so, but yeah, uh, that that line was one of my uh, one of my favorites from the movie. Um, I'm trying to think. The only other my other favorite line. Yo, oh yeah, what's your favorite line? Is um, there's this scene where Chucky's go is is in an elevator, um, entering back into the apartment. I think towards the end. Oh yeah. And this elderly couple, and Chucky's sitting in the corner, and he's all disheveled and looking real. He's rough. pretending to be a doll. Yeah, looking real rough, not moving, and this elderly couple's in the elevator, and they're riding the elevator with Chucky, and then as they exit the elevator, the the female looks back and just goes, ugly doll. <laughs> and then Chucky's just like, F you. Yeah. Like, out of your shot. But yeah. um, it was just a great exchange. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was pretty hideous. That, that, is, that is really the, the other, probably the biggest line of the movie is the doll saying, <laughs> expletive you yeah and that's um, what's just really hilarious been cursing the whole time. <laughs> that's just really hilarious about this movie because you have this like seemingly innocent again this like yeah you know, like, kind of this like seemingly innocent looking doll who's just like spitting out these really foul foul things yeah. and this doll is very profane like oh, it says the nat. I mean, it's Charles Lee Ray, it's the Lakeshore yeah. Strangler. This is not this person. This is a person that lived in the flop house that we visited in yeah. the ghetto. Um, yeah, and that's what's fun about this movie because even though it is a horror movie, like tonally, it is a little more humorous and light, and, and there are those really funny comedic moments. So, yeah, um, that's a great part for me. And then anything about sort of the end. So there's like this long, yeah. drawn out end scene. They, where they basically everything comes to head in the Barkley apartment. In the apartment, we got Chucky, we got Mom, we got Andy. There's a surprise appearance by like the other cop detective, Detective Handsome's assistant guy. Yeah, but this chase over the the apartment is long. That that is actually the other part of the movie that's scary, but it's more kind of 
thrillery and scary, like intense, than it is like the battery scene where you're like, oh god. Yeah, it's um, like a little more long drawn out. Yeah, had it, some Terminator ish moments. Yeah, it's just like Chucky's face is Chucky melting. ends up in a he's, fire. He's like this robotic kind which of. Which we creep. learned online, they actually used a little person. They used a little to, person to do that. And another thing, I love movie magic stuff too. Did you read online? They made the entire apartment. 30% larger than they would a normal apartment. So like imagine this table, that bookcase, the doorknob, everything is just 30% bigger, taller, whatever. So when they filmed the actor, the little person that was playing Chucky go down the hall, he looks smaller because he was a bigger person than Chucky was a doll. Oh, interesting. I love movie magic stuff. Yeah, that's clever. And yeah. I... Going into it, I thought they just did animatronics the whole time, but I know they had a little person do more of the physical yeah, work. Like so, like the, the running down the you know hallway or more stunt type work. And the fire. So they 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 lit this little person on fire. He, and I say this act, little person. What was his name? Uh, the actor's name is escaping me, but they actually did light him on fire. He sustained some burns. It looks like, um, and. He uh, really gave a lot to this role. I don't know if that was known <laughs> yeah. to, going in, like I was going to be yeah. burned for this movie. But um, yeah, so you know, the ending takes place. Uh, there's this again long drawn out battle, and eventually yeah. they they think that you know they've defeated Chucky. Um, yeah. What did you think of that final scene? So it looks like Chucky's been defeated. Yeah, and I guess Andy is walking out of the apartment with his mom, and he kind of looks back. Um, yeah. Just... So it ends with it ends with what Chucky being incinerated in fire. Well, it, he gets incinerated in fire, and then the head. Remember the body and the head are attacking each other. Detective Handsome's yeah. partner shows up and shoots him, um, which was just cra absolutely crazy. And then the movie does just kind of end. Oh, I think Andy may look into the camera. Yeah. I don't know. I figure if he looks in the camera, if he's just looking at something off in the distance, but. He just has this like prolonged kind of look, and it makes you wonder. Like, I was like, it's at first I was like, is Andy possessed? Because I haven't seen yeah, the sequels. Oh, you haven't seen yeah. any of the sequels? And I, I imagine wow. like I, I kind of know what happens in there. Yeah. but <laughs> there's yeah. a doll. Uh, but in that moment, <laughs> though, I was like, is Andy actually like the possession ritual go through? Yeah. Is Andy like some killer now? Or I don't know. Like, I was trying to read his face. It was a really just kind of interesting way to end it. But um, yeah, and I love. I love like the music during the credits too. Yeah, it's, that, like, it's like that classic creepy like 80s like synthesizer. It's like kinda. kids like harmonizing. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's like ah. Oh. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those just like creepy yeah. kids singing. But any other? I think the last thing I had was just I couldn't believe like the movie just kind of ends and it doesn't end with kind of a classic horror movie like like oh my god the story's not over or the last thing we see is like something that suggests the doll's alive. It's just really. Detective Handsome, Andy, Karen Barclay, and the the other cop just kind of leave a room, and like if they didn't make a sequel, it'd be like and and those four people's lives were from then on defined by the possessed the possessed yeah. doll situation they dealt with in 1988. Yeah, it just kind of ends. It um, does, and then as we know, there's multiple sequels yes, that uh, ensue. Okay, my question for you, Joe, is would you recommend it? Oh, to someone that has never seen Child's Play before, would you recommend, totally. recommend the movie? Without a doubt. I think, again, this movie is fun. It's you, When you think back to the time period of, of you know the 80s, it's the first, again, f from what we gathered, feature like long film with the you know, animatronics work. I think it's 
it's got its moments where it's a little creepy, but it's an entertaining, funny movie too. Yeah. And I think that appeals to a wider man. It's not like a you know torture, gruesome, super gruesome, yeah. gory, gory movie. Like it's definitely got this like lighter tone in some sense. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I I don't would know. You? If I, would I recommend it? I don't know. I would recommend really? it. Like it's. If you if, uh, if someone's like, hey, what's a good horror movie I haven't seen? I don't know if I'd tell them Child's Play. Mm. Like, it, it's, if they haven't seen it. I mean, it's... I think it's a classic. It is it is a classic, but, like, it's it's not really scary anymore. There's a couple scenes that really, like, get you, but, like, not really. And then once it becomes, like, this whole group of people are dealing with Chucky and chasing him around, it really becomes more like a detective movie or a murder movie than, like, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um it is it's obviously like a really important movie it was an important it was a movie that was important to me as a young horror fan um but like having the point of reference now it's it, i would say watch it for novelty watch it for nostalgia so would you recommend it is a different question from like was it good were you scared scared no was yeah. it good mm, it was okay <laughs> the whole like high pitch yeah. kind of said yeah yeah it's uh, but would I recommend it? Yes. Now, I wouldn't recommend it because it's good, necessarily. I'd say I'd recommend it because it's entertaining to a degree. It's fun. Um, I think it's an important movie in yeah. just sort of the history of horror movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and then, so where does the franchise stand now? There's been however many sequels. You know, Ch- Child's Play 1 to 3 then Sea of Chucky, Bride of Chucky, Chucky of Chucky, yeah, and whatever. And then apparently they did a TV show for a little while. There's a TV show in the works, supposedly. Okay. I don't know when it's going to be released or if it will, but it's apparently in the works with the original, with Don, who's going to be boy, working on boy it. boy DM. Yeah, and actually the same guy that played or voiced Chucky has been in all the sequels. I did, I did so know that. So stuck with it. Yeah. There's a reboot, though. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was doing a little Googling, and there's a reboot in the works, which is just funny timing, because they started, I think, production very recently, um, and Aubrey Plaza, who I love from Parks and Rec, uh, is going to be playing the mother in the movie, Karen Barclay. She's going to play Karen? Yeah. I was thinking... Go ahead, go ahead. And I don't watch um, Atlanta, though I've heard it's a very good show. It is. But one of the actors, Brian Tyree Henry, is going to play... Uh, Detective Handsome, the new version. So, yeah, so it's a promising cast, and I don't know much about him, but I know Aubrey Plaza has really got some great comedic chops. So I wonder, it's it's gonna. I wonder tonally, is it gonna be like a horror comedy? Is it gonna be, or are they gonna go more to the? Yeah, are they gonna try to like stick to more of like a horror, you know, traditional horror roots? What I thought was interesting is that they're gonna change the origin. So as we talked about, like you know. In the opening scene, Charles Lee Ray, he enters the body through some, you know, ritualistic chant ceremony, whatever, and then the weather happens and everything blows up. So in the reboot, though, Chucky is going to become Chucky because uh, it's going to be a smart toy um, that utilizes artificial learning tinkered into a murder bot by a suicidal Chinese assembly line worker. So that's going to be what happens. So I guess there's this suicidal worker for whoever reason tinkers with the inner workings of the Chucky doll. So I guess it's playing into the home. So I guess they're bringing it into a more modern, you know, arena. But That almost feels like it has to be a horror comedy. Like, if a suicidal Chinese 
assembly work unless it's like real serious but i think but i think about the whole like artificial learning thing i mean that's such a thing now you think of like alexa and these devices we have in our home like oh yeah like how much do they like are they thinking on their own like how much do they know and then you know but just ai becoming just more advanced and see these realistic looking so i'm curious to see where it goes i get i get so hooked in on the tiniest thing and my, my thought is just about this suicidal chinese uh factory worker okay that puts this in there it's a very specific description sticking with a theme that i think was importantly addressed in the first movie uh addressing labor issues addressing employment in the workplace (laughs) issues do you think the reboot will come full circle and adjust uh, address sweatshops and the 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 terrible thing that they are yeah that's so a, an important theme in the chinese film our labor rights <laughs> who would have thought that this movie would yeah. serve you know a dual role yeah. in that sense the other thing about what you said about the the rebooting it it's hard to think of aubrey plaza as like a motherly figure because i she does she hasn't really played like she's just getting done playing like daughter figures so she would definitely be a young mother aubrey plaza though would be a great aunt maggie Oh yeah, maybe maybe. Ch- Child's Play Reborn, Aunt Maggie's Revenge, Aunt Maggie survives the fall. She's really comes back been, to attack Chuck. She's been hiding out for a long time because yes. she really suffered a bit. So yeah, yeah. she finally makes her reappearance. Yeah. I would love an Aunt Maggie spinoff. I, um, I need. I think I need one. Yeah, so yeah. she was my favorite character by far. Like I went yeah. into that length, but. Yeah, that's kind of Chucky, I guess, from our take, from our perspective. Yeah, um, I mean, I would, if if you want to, like, you know, enjoy a little piece of history, or a little piece of, you know, the, you know, take something from the horror genre that was a big deal at the time, and, you know, just kind of see what was the second highest grossing horror movie, or depending on how good you are reading, possibly the second highest grossing movie of the year, go see Child's Play. Give it a shot. Um, Probably not worth watching after listening to this podcast, but um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Yeah, Joe, anything else before we go? Thanks for listening. Um, It was a fun experiment. It was. And uh, We have an insane amount of recording I have to edit. Oh, yeah. But we have Um, a lot more in store, so we hope you uh, come back to join us and stay tuned. Come back soon. Bye. See you. Well, John, it's been fun, but I got to go. I have a date with a six-year-old boy. And you have a date with death. So long, John.